So I, uh, I, I found a prayer. Uh, it's a New Year prayer. I'm, I don't even know how to pronounce this. I feel bad. It's, it's written by a pastor, uh, Reverend Dale Ferguson. I can't pronounce the first name, though. Um, in the UK, uh, and this is... Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I picked out two. This is from John Vest. Uh, John W. Vest, who wrote this, and uh, it's just a good way to to end the year. So, will you pray with me? God of wisdom and truth, as we look toward a new year, we both look back and we look forward. In the year that has passed, we experienced joy and we experienced sorrow We felt blessed and we felt challenged. Some things went by way too fast and some things lingered far too long. But here in this place, we are reminded that you are present through it all. We are reminded that we are never alone. We are reminded that nothing can separate us from your love. So at the beginning of this new year, we pause now in silence to reflect on the year that has passed. We remember the things from this year that we are most thankful for. We recall the moments that we were the happiest. We consider the times we felt most alive. We recognize the times we gave and received the most love. We're grateful, God, that you were present in those times. We also remember the things from this past year that we're least thankful for. We recall the moments where we were the least happy. We consider the times we felt life draining from us. And we recognize the times we gave and received the least love. We're grateful, God, that you were present in those times too. Gracious God, at the beginning of this new year, we also look forward to the year to come. We are confident that you will be with us still when we are thankful and when we are not, when we are happy and when we are sad, when we feel alive and when we feel drained, when we give and receive love and when we do not. God, the world we live in is messy and challenging. It is the world of King Herod, a world of pain, a world of doubt, a world of fear, a world of jealousy, a world of violence, a world of domination, a world of injustice, a world of human failings. Yet, God, you are with us always. So give us grace and give us courage to live faithfully in this imperfect world. Remind us always of the promise of your kingdom emerging around us and through us. It is for this kingdom that we now pray, using the words that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. In line with that thought, oh, how he loves us, I want you to listen to what St. Paul had to say to the church at Galatia concerning the love of God. We will be reading Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 today. Let this word sink into your heart. When the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. Short and sweet. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen and amen. All right, who's got plans for tonight? Anybody want to tell me your plans? You don't have to, but if you, do you want to? Sleep. I like that. Are you going to bed early or are you staying up till midnight? No. Sleep. Going well before. Dog sitting, then watch might be. Oh, okay. All right. Very good. Domino marathon. Do you play all the rounds? We play, yes, we try to go from double 12 down to double zero and as far back up as we can bear to stay away. Boy, that takes a long time. <laughs> yeah, Jerry. Fireworks at midnight. Fireworks at midnight. You, you guys are going to be up here, right? Not down in Houston. Up here? Fireworks up here? Awesome. Very cool, very cool. So we've decided this year, this was kind of random and last minute we were, we were racking our brains thinking, what can we do that's a little bit special for New Year's? I found out that Kima, Kima Boardwalk down in, down in Houston, they're doing fireworks tonight. And so as soon as church is over, we're jumping in the car and we're driving down to Kima so we can ride the roller coasters and watch the fireworks. That's what we're going to do for New Year's. So we're kind of excited about that. You know, after um, college, when Elaine and I were young married folks uh, and, and in the process of beginning to have babies, we were part of this uh, inner city church in St. Louis um, that was just kind of this weird uh, collection of people. Some of us were from the Assemblies of God. Some of us were Baptists. Some of us were Pentecostals. Uh, some came from the Methodist tradition. And um, we were this small but close-knit group uh, that, that lived and served together in the inner city of St. Louis. And we would get together every New Year's Eve uh, as a church. We would gather together and um, eat food and, and, you know, talk about the year and celebrate. Now, my experience growing up, I don't know about you, but, but, but mine growing up, New Year's Eve was the time in which you turn on 
Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve, and you watch the ball drop uh, in New York City with Dick Clark. And at midnight, you shout hooray, and you either have sparkling cider or something else that's sparkling, and uh, all the kids, you know, it was an exciting time because it was the one time a year that the kids got to stay up until midnight. But at these particular church gatherings, uh, the pastor always wanted to do this um, year-end reflection and uh, in, in worship time. And I thought, you know, as, as a 20-something, uh, I thought, man, how boring. We need to turn on Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve. This is time to party. This is the part. Who wants to have a worship service on Christmas Eve? Little did I know the significance of what he was trying to do. You see, our pastor of that church was a black man, and he was trying to bring in something uh, that was a tradition really since the 1860s. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't know this at the time, but in 1862, um, December 31st, 1862, um, here in the United States, both free and enslaved uh, African Americans gathered for what they called uh, Freedom's Eve or Watch Night to anticipate the move to January 1, 1863, when the Emancipation Proclamation came into effect and they would be free. And so for them, this was a pivotal moment in, in their lives. This was the time in which uh, new possibilities, old things were being left and new possibilities stood at the door. And so um, what my pastor was, was trying to do at that time was to bring in some of these elements that, that New Year's Eve is this, this pivotal moment in the life of Christians. Uh, it, it was in the black church. In fact, Brandy is going to one of these services tonight, uh, a watch night uh, service that will go from 10 till midnight. And you guys no doubt will celebrate, uh, but also reflect and um, usher in the new year with uh, fresh fervor, I, I would imagine. Now, I might make some New Year's resolutions, but I didn't know in my 20s and growing up that um, some people took New Year's Eve so seriously. Uh, for me, it was just a big party. That's all I knew as a kid. Um, but looking back and reflecting back on that time in that small community church and, and knowing what I know now, I wonder if maybe there's something to this, that, that there should be some reflective moments on New Year's Eve. You know, John Wesley uh, also did something special on New Year's Eve. He would hold in his Methodist societies what was called a covenant renewal service. And so they would gather on New Year's Eve, and they would um, think about the past year, think about the ways in which God was with them and had blessed them, but also renew their commitments, not just resolutions, but just we want to renew our commitment to the Lord. We want to go into the new year um, being serious about our faith and about, uh, about serving Jesus, and, and we just want to cross over this, this threshold from the old into the new with this new... Uh, covenant on our hearts. And so they would hold these covenant renewal services. It's interesting because I'm looking at Paul's a letter to the Galatians, and he's talking about um, 
passing from the old to the new, very similar uh, on what we're kind of meditating on today. He, he's saying, you know, because of Jesus, something brand new has come. Uh, it's like turning over to a new year because what has happened now is that we are no longer slaves to our fears. We are no longer alienated from God. Jesus has united us back to God, and we are free to move forward into this new place, considering ourselves, Paul says, as children of God. Not just that, but we are children with full rights and privileges. And he says, the Spirit, it's interesting, all three persons of the Trinity are in this passage, uh, if you go back and read it. But the Spirit then uh, comes and, and kind of places himself in your heart using the intimate word of God, Abba, okay? Abba, which is Aramaic for um, father, but, but it's more intimate. It's not, as, it's not like father. It's, it's more like daddy, maybe. Uh, Abba is the word that Jesus used. And Paul says, you know, the Spirit kind of confirms this in your heart by using this intimate word for God. And I think about what Paul is saying here, and, and part of me feels a little unsettled in saying this. Do you feel that? Do you feel that sense when, when Paul says, you are children with full rights and privileges, and you now have all the opportunity and authority to refer to God as Abba? Do you feel a little strange when you hear that? Not at all. Mike says no. There's a really interesting story in uh, the Gospel of John chapter 10. Jesus is having one of those moments with the religious leaders, and uh, they're kind of questioning him on some of the things that he's saying. I want to read this to you. This is from John chapter 10. And it begins with this statement, I and the Father are one, okay? And the Jewish opposition picked up stones in order to stone him. They're going to kill him. Jesus responded, you know, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these works are you going to stone me? And the Jewish opposition answered, we're not stoning you for a good work, but for insulting God. You are human, and yet you make yourself out to be God. And Jesus replied, isn't it written in your law, I have said you are God's? Scripture calls those to whom God's word came God's, and Scripture can't be abolished. So how can you say that the one whom the Father has made holy and sent into the world insults God because he said, I am God's son? Is that it on that? That's it. Now, he's quoting Psalm, Psalm 82.6. I want you to see Psalm 82.6 that he quotes, the first half of it there. I hereby declare you are God's children of the Most High, all of you. Does that make you uncomfortable? If I said that to you, would that make you uncomfortable? I declare you are all God's. Children of the Most High, all of you. That makes me a little uncomfortable. This is this conversation that Jesus is 
trying to convey to them, to the religious leaders, look, I have been set apart by God and sent into the world as God's son to remind you all, you too are children of God with full rights and privileges. You have divine status. In fact, 2 Peter 1.4 says that we share or partake in the divine nature. The more that I meditate on this, the more that I study it, I am becoming convinced that this was the single thing that Jesus was trying to convey to everyone. Don't forget who you are, and don't forget whose you are. And what does that mean when you tell me that, Jesus? It means you are a child of God, partaking in the divine nature, therefore you are God's in a sense. Now, we're not God the Father. We are not God Almighty, but we are children of God in every sense of what it means to be a child of God. So on one hand, of course, be humble because this divine status that you have been given is not because of anything you have done. John Wesley would tell you it is by the grace of God and the grace of God alone that you are where you are and you are who you are. The fact that God hasn't wiped us off of the planet is the grace of God. At the same time, Jesus is telling us, be bold. Be bold. Believe who you are. Accept who you are. Holy cow, you are a child of God. You are one who holds all the rights and privileges of a child of God. You stand to inherit all that belongs to God's children. And so Paul says to the Galatians, so quit living like slaves. Stop living like you're a slave. You're not a slave. You're a child of God. But I find that hard to accept. It seems a little blasphemous. It seems a little off. It doesn't seem right. It's not the message that we have heard. What we have heard is that God is God and we are us and God is some kind of uh, judge or cosmic cop. He's got the gavel in hand, and boy, he's just waiting for you to mess up so he can slam that thing down. Guilty, right? This is how we view God, and so we, we, we do whatever we have to do to make sure we stay on God's good side. And then Jesus tells us this beautiful story of the prodigal son about a, a kid who just went haywire and did all of the wrong things. And when he came to the end of his money and he was so hungry, he didn't know what else to do. And he came back to his father. There his dad is waiting, looking down the road. My boy, my boy is back. And he puts the robe on him and the ring on Why? Because you're a child. You are my son. You always were. I don't care that you went out and did all this crazy, stupid stuff. You're still my son. Nothing you can do to change that. What about you? When you, when you think about God, what, what do you imagine? What do you picture in your mind? 
Perhaps growing up, you um, had a poor father figure. A lot of people are in that, that boat. Maybe you didn't have a dad at all. Your dad was absent. Maybe your dad passed away. So the idea of trying to relate God as father just doesn't work for you because that, that image automatically uh, it, it puts a, a sour spin on it. Well, there are plenty of images in Scripture of God as a loving mother as well. We get that all through Scripture. As a hen who, who protects her chicks, as a, as a mother eagle who broods over her nest and cares for it, uh, as a mother who is um, suckling her children. We get all these images of God. So that works too. And, and if that doesn't work for you, we also have these images of God as loyal friend, as a lover, as a companion, as a shepherd, as a protector. Whatever image you need, Scripture provides it for you that conveys a sense that God is for us and not against us. God is with us. God is rooting for us. God is in our corner. God is our best advocate. This is the image we get of God, however you want to think about that. And so step one, I think, in the growth of a life of a Christian is to wrap your head around that. I know we get scary images of God, but the first step is to wrap your head around the idea that God loves you more than you can even fathom. God does not have gavel in hand ready to slam it down at the first mistake. That's not God. That's step one. Step two, once you accept how much God loves you, step two is wrapping your head around the idea that you are a child of God. And we get this all through Scripture too. Genesis chapter 1, made in the image of God. God's breath breathed into you to give you life. Sharing in God's life, sharing in God's consciousness, sharing in the divine nature, according to 2 Peter, therefore making you a divine child of God. you got to wrap your head around that. And so maybe, maybe, and I'm preaching to myself here. This is stuff that I'm working on because I was raised in a very, uh, uh, I don't even know what to say. It was a very regulated faith system, right? God loves you and God is for you if you say and do the right things. That, that, was, my, that was my upbringing, you know, and so gosh, you're, you're, you're always cautious about what you say and do, and you know, and God is like Santa Claus. He sees you when you're sleeping, and He knows when you're awake, and He knows if you've been bad or good, so holy cow, be good, for goodness sake, because Jesus might come back any moment, right? This, this was my upbringing. Now that I'm on the verge of turning 50, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to wrap my head around the two things. God loves me, and I'm a divine child of God. And that's not just true for me, it's true for every person sitting in this room. And it's not just true for you, it's true of every person you encounter. So maybe 2024. Maybe 2024 is the year that we can begin to, be, 
to live into the freedom that both Paul is telling us we have and that we need to claim. Don't live like slaves. Live like children of God and also Christ. Christ bought that freedom for you. In His birth, His life, His death, His resurrection, right? This is made possible through Jesus Christ. And Jesus is saying, don't don't live like you are orphans. Don't live like you are something, you are a child of God. And I'm here to tell you that. Maybe 2024 is the year that we can begin to claim that. And so New Year's Eve tonight, watch night, whether you're viewing it from John Wesley's perspective of this is a time to recommit your life to God, or if it's from the African-American perspective that this is about leaving a life of slavery and moving into freedom, whichever way you want to think about it, tonight can be a threshold for you and for me. It can be a moment to leave one thing behind and to step into something brand new. So in the midst of your celebrations tonight, and I'm going to celebrate, we're going to watch those fireworks. We're going to ring in the new year. We're going to hoop and holler. But I'm also going to take a point tonight, and I hope that you will too. I encourage you, at some point during your celebrations tonight, just pause. And I want you to, I want you to say these two things to yourself. Number one, God loves me more than I can know. Number two, I am a divine child of God. And that comes with some fantastic uh, inheritance, (laughs) what that means to be a child of God. Say those two things. And then I want you to to wrap it up with a third thing. I'm going to try to believe that and live like that in 2024. Set an intention not only to claim it, but to live into it. Ask God to remind you often. God, remind me often in 2024 who I am and to whom I belong. And God, remind me often of that truth for every person that I encounter. When I come up against some really difficult people in 2024, remind me who they are, even if they don't know it. Remind me so that I know how to treat royalty. And above all, may Abba, may Abba, who is our source of existence itself, our life, our eternal life, may Abba bless you richly in this new year. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Y'all grab the hand of the person next to you. Let's form a big family chain through this place since we are all children of God. Folks, as you head into the new year, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of Abba, our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know you're perfectly loved. You're completely forgiven. You're uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out and live as a child of God. Guess what? You're going to forget sometimes who you are and whose you are. And you're going to make some decisions that are probably not uh, becoming of a child of God. doesn't change how God feels about you. 
God still stands at the end of that driveway looking for his child to come back and say, boy, I made a mistake. And God says, no problem. Let's kill the fatted calf. Let's get the robe. Put a ring on this because I love this one. Wrap your head around that. And I think it has the power to change everything in 2024. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, take that good word and go from this place in peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.